At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. Welcome to the best of the Nick Brown Show, an on-demand audio presentation of RedPeachSports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's your host, Nick Brown. Welcome back to the Nick Brown Show. You hear that song? It's now time to get to Hueytown, Alabama's favorite son. Before we do, just want to let you know that was curious about what was going to be on the scoreboard today. It will be Cajuns and Warhawks on the board, and I don't think we've seen the last of University of Louisiana at Lafayette calling themselves the University of Louisiana. Thanks for that uh, inside information to a good friend. Now we're going to go to the... Lynn takes you to 10 every Saturday morning on the Nick Brown Show. That's Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Good morning, Lynn. How are you? Uh, doing great, man. I was uh, talking off the air. Uh, you got the rain there. I usually fuss at y'all about sending it to us, but I'm glad you're sending it to us this time because of the drought. Before we get started talking this uh, serious football stuff, uh, let's remember the folks up in, uh, in the Gatlinburg and uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee area. They're, those guys being devastated. Uh, if I could divert this rain and send it straight up to uh, Sevier County. I'd, I'd want to do that. Uh, got some got some friends that actually own a sh- uh, Mountain Laurel Chalets is the name of the company. Have longtime friends uh, and have used their properties, and uh, they they manage uh, they may manage as many as 100 properties around that area. I have not called them yet, but uh, we saw Cindy saw their sign on the uh, on the news that they were painting through fire areas, and uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm hoping none of them were hurt and. Uh, and hadn't lost any of their homes, but we need to uh, need to remember those folks in prayer because they're having a tough time. Uh, absolutely, Lynn, you are certainly correct, and hopefully this rain could uh, could make that move and, and switch and head that way. Now, uh, Lynn, been a uh, a busy week in sports. Now I know that a lot of people think that your job ends, but before we do that, I do want to touch on one thing that your if I get this right, your father-in-law, and it was a great article, and I, I and I want to tell everyone how to read your articles. It was a great piece and a great tribute. And uh, it was ironic, uh, but uh, you had a loss in the family, but he happened to serve at one time, served as a color guy for uh, Auburn football, but it was a great article that you had written, and I recommend all of our listeners to uh, go read this article, and I want you to tell people how they can get in touch with it and, and talk a little bit about that article, if you would. I, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. The, you can go into Lindy's website, uh, com. My columns are called Scarborough's Take, and uh, the column this week is about Charlie Davis. Uh, Charlie Davis was my stepfather-in-law, actually. Um, he, uh, his wife had, had passed away, and, and Cindy's dad had passed away, and uh, they got married 23 years ago, so he had been my father-in-law for, for 23 years. But I'd known him long before that. He was the color commentator for Auburn football for 17 years, from 1954 through 1970, in the, in the time when football wasn't like it is now. They didn't have elevators going to the press box, and you didn't have... Uh, you didn't have bowled-in big stadiums, and you didn't have uh, television. And the only way that people could really keep up with it, I mean, you had TV, you had one game a week, uh, and the only way that people could keep up with, uh, with college football was through the radio. And we had such, such great classic uh, uh, play-by-play and, and color analysts around the southeast. 
And, uh, and Charlie was one of those. And uh, I've, I've spent a lot of time talking with him about the old days and about the, the people he interviewed and the people he knew. And um, he was, he's one of, one of the last ones of, the, of that era. And he was 92 years old, passed away this week. And I, uh, I did write a tribute column to him and his, uh, his career. And uh, anybody would, would want to see that, um, go into Lindy's website and, and look for the Scarver's Take column, and it'll, it'll be there. Now, now, one thing I want to say, I thought that was very neat reading the article. You actually had listened to him before he became a, a member of your family. Oh, yeah, for years. My goodness. I, yeah, I start the column out uh, when I would have been probably about uh, eight years old, uh, sitting in my, in my mother's living room. Uh, before do- before daybreak, uh, I had to get up early because my mother would open up the school, and uh, and Charlie had a thing called the Early Risers Club, and he loved big band music. He was a drummer in a big band uh, or big band type orchestra, and I'd be sitting there eating oatmeal, and uh, it's dark, and I'd be eating oatmeal, and y'all you know, got uh, Tommy Dorsey and Benny Goodman on behind me, and this voice blaring out, "It's a great morning in Birmingham," and I'm thinking, "No, it is not." <laughs> dark i'm eating oatmeal what in the heck is good about this and that was charlie davis later on then i, I meet him through sports circles and you know and, and and know him in that way and it ends up being my father-in-law so kind of kind of interesting the way that the thing developed but you know and, and all the schools have had have had these kind of people you could name the lsu people in the audience can name theirs and you know yet the larry munson's and the k wood ledford's and, and those guys are gone and uh and charlie was one of that era and uh you know and the a lot, of, a lot of young people will never know these guys, but I tell you, the uh, I'm I'm sorry that the that the young sports fans never got to uh, never got to listen to ball games broadcast by by that group of of legendary broadcasters. Now, now your fondness for getting up early may have changed, and because uh, I know that uh, you normally are up at two or three in the morning working on columns. But I think you still uh, have a distaste for oatmeal. Is that correct? I haven't eaten that. Listen, I want to eat oatmeal. If I, if, I was a, if I was a starving guy in the desert, that'd be the only way. And all I could find was a pouch of oatmeal. And that would be, uh, that'd be about what it would take for me to eat it. I kidded Charlie about it, that he was responsible for my distaste for oatmeal. <laughs> well, if I ever make it to uh, Birmingham again, you know, you bought barbecue the last time, I'll take you out for a... A nice bowl of oatmeal somewhere. Yeah, well, yeah. I tell you, if we go to International House of Pancakes, I'm not going over to the cereal uh, part of the menu. <laughs> I want to talk a little college football with you, and I want to first, before we break down today's games, is this the season that pushes us to an 18 playoff? Because you look at an undefeated Western Michigan team, you look at the fact that the Big Ten champion is not even going to be represented in the Final Four. And you can say, well, I don't know that, but, yeah, I pretty much do. They're not going to be in the Final Four, Wisconsin or Penn State. And a year ago, we're hearing a committee say that your conference champion, that is part of the criteria. But now you could have Florida defeat Alabama, and that wouldn't change Alabama's appearance. may drop them from one to two. Is this the year this turns us to an 18 playoff? Well, I'll tell you, if, if Florida beats Alabama, it's going to change just more than Alabama going from one to two. It's going to change the rotation of the Earth's axis. And uh, we'll begin spinning right to left instead of left to right because uh, it will be a, something cataclysmic will have happened if Florida beats Alabama. Other than that, um, I, I wouldn't be so quick on that Penn State, uh, Wisconsin, Ohio State deal. I'm going to argue this case. I'm going to tell you that I believe the, the old deal of perception is reality and the favored treatment is going to happen here. But if I was Penn State, you talk about the, the Rodney Dangerfield 
of college football, the modern era of college football, this is a rhetorical question because I don't know the answer to this, but I can tell you it's several. How many times has Penn State been in position to win the national championship at a time when it was 100% a public opinion survey? When Penn State would be undefeated along with some other undefeated team, and it was always Penn State who ended up number two. And Joe Paterno, I know he gets a lot of criticism for a lot of stuff, but Joe Paterno didn't bellyache. Um, you know, for heaven's sakes, if there's ever a school, I hear different schools say they were cheated on this and that, whatever, ever school that could have said that it was Penn State, how many times have they been right there, equal in record to the teams that actually was given the national championship and Penn State could have won it? And here's the, here's the case for Penn State. The committee made such a strong deal about conference champions. Well, if Penn State beats Wisconsin, they're the conference champion. And they make a big deal about what have you done lately toward the end of the season. Penn State won down the, down the stretch of the, of the, of the season uh, in pretty impressive, pretty impressive fashion. Um, how about head-to-head competition? Uh, you've got Ohio State played Penn State, and Penn State won. So you're going to have... A, if Penn State wins, you'll have a conference champion that closed strong, that beat their competition head to head. Why would why would the committee put the the team who was not the champion and who lost their game ahead of the team that is the champion and won their game? Don't be surprised if Penn State wins, particularly if Penn State were to win decisively. Don't be surprised if you get an element of people that are starting to come out and say, we need Penn State to be in that position. If that happens, the Ohio State people are going to go nuts. If Penn State beats them decisively and they don't get in, Penn State people are going to go nuts. Um, And justifiably so with Penn State, a little less justifiably to me for Ohio State. But if the idea is the idea that you try to get the four best teams in there, is you you try to get the four best conference champions in there, if Ohio State played Penn State and lost, is Ohio State really the best team when comparing it to those two? Uh, I don't think this will quickly cause it to go to an eight-team uh, playoff, but I think it will be one of the one of the building blocks that, that gets us toward that. And it certainly it and it you know hey let Florida knock off Alabama. Like Florida's Florida's uh, uh, you know well that's they lost three games they couldn't make a claim on it. But, but, but that puts them, um, that allows other teams that are two lost teams, let's say, of course, of course Washington put themselves uh, in there. But you want to talk about a team that, that got ripped. Now, if you, wanna, you, know, if you start getting into uh, that, Ohio State is only there because of an extremely questionable call in the Michigan game on the, on the placement of a ball. If I'm Oklahoma State, I'm going to be saying, whoa, wait a minute. You want to talk about a two-loss team that needs to be in there if they beat Oklahoma. The only reason they're not a one-loss team and almost a sure thing for the Final Four is because of that call against Central Michigan at the early part of the year. So if they beat Oklahoma, the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately factor goes for Oklahoma State. The being a conference champion goes for Oklahoma State. And, you know, you got to go with what was on the scoreboard. But, my goodness, how many people really think that that call went in a way uh, to where Central Michigan should have won that ball game. If Oklahoma State wins today, that would be an 11 and one conference champion of a, of a Power Five conference. So, uh, of course, I'm a big proponent for 18 playoff. You know that Lindy's is too, and, and I'm just giving evidence here of, 
you know, why we, we don't need to have a system set up where these things I'm saying could happen and a team be left out. Uh, an 18 playoff probably eliminates this. Well, I, I tell you, okay, we're talking to Lynn Scarborough from Lenny's Magazine. Lynn takes you to 10 every Saturday morning on the Nick Brown Show. You look at I'm going to go back to Penn State just for a minute. James Franklin, you know, we always make a pilgrimage up to Birmingham where you normally buy me uh, lunch, and we go to SEC Media Days. The year that he was, uh, years he was in Vanderbilt, his first year as head coach, uh, the, the night before he was scheduled to speak, you don't see this from any SEC coach because they have the recognition he did not have the recognition. He came down Radio Row. We were uh, there late at night. We talked to James Franklin. He walked out into the Galleria. He was just practically begging anyone to interview him. He has sold himself more than anyone and pushed it. And I will tell you this season what makes it remarkable for Penn State. If you will go back and look at the schedule, that they open with a victory over, uh, I believe, Kent State and then our Kentucky. I believe Kent State, Kent, or Kentucky, I believe, 33-13 victory. They lost to Pitt by three. They then beat Temple by seven. They got playing for a conference championship today. That's correct versus Navy. They got beat by Michigan, forty-nine to ten. So their victories were by seven, and uh, they lost by three. And then you started hearing people talk about James Franklin on the hot seat. Then that next week, after getting trounced by Michigan, had a squeaker over the Golden Gophers of Minnesota, one by three, and you heard. The noise climbed just a little bit on the hot seat. Then what they do? Well, they defeated Maryland by 38-14. to 14. Then they defeated Ohio State. Then they defeated Purdue, which I don't think anybody should take that job, 62-24. to 24. Iowa, Indiana, Rutgers, Michigan State, and now play Wisconsin. So certainly, yeah, there's no talk about James Franklin on the hot seat uh, anymore and making that move towards, I think, like you said, a building block for the 18 playoff. Now, I want to ask you this before we talk SEC, because obviously with Lindy's you cover all conferences and, and know about all programs, but your opinion on that, that, that I differ from most, you look at Western Michigan. They're undefeated. They've done everything that's asked of them on their schedule, which, by the way, they make their own schedule. And their two biggest victories, if you say, over Power 5 teams were over a 3-9 and nine Illinois team, and a 6-6 six and six Northwestern team. If there were an 18 playoff, would you have seven spots for the Power Five, and would you reserve one spot for the Group of Five? I, I, would, re, I would reserve one spot for the non-Group of Five, but I would do it with a caveat to it. They would have to, and I, and I don't even, I'd have to really think that through, Nick, as to what I think the criteria would be. I would have a certain level of criteria that... The, the representative from the non-Power Five would have to do whatever. They would have to have an undefeated season, or they would have to uh, be at least in the top 15 in the rankings, or they would have to be their conference champion, or, I mean, or maybe all of the above. I mean, um, you know, I would, uh, I would let it be that if they reached, a, they'd have to reach a certain criteria. But if they did, then yes, I would automatically give them one. I wouldn't just give one. Uh, what, if the, what if the best team in one of the Power Five conferences is, has three or four losses? then you wouldn't want to do that. So you'd have to have a reasonable criteria to it. But, yeah, I would do that. And the same thing I would point out on that is with the NCAA basketball and NCAA baseball tournaments, um, you know, we could just start naming the, the teams uh, in, in basketball in, in the last 10 or 12 years that have made it all, in some cases, all the way to Final Four. And, uh, and if, if you went by the criteria of saying, well, uh, look, they're a non-Power Five and they're in a smaller deal or whatever, they wouldn't even make the tournament. Obviously, it's easier to make the tournament when you're dealing with 64 teams instead of four or, or, or eight. 
But, but yeah, I would give a spot to that if the, the best team out of that group reached the, uh, reached the level that was set up as a prerequisite in order to qualify. Well, and the one thing that I would say is this. You did talk about the – you talked to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Lynn takes you to 10 every Saturday morning on the Nick Brown Show. I would take off the undefeated season. You look at Western Michigan. What if – this is hypothetical. They had played Alabama and, say, lost by three and then Congress. won the rest of their game. So, I mean, I think yeah. you got to look at – you know, so it would have to be a – you know, you couldn't say, well, if you only have one loss, it went to a power five by seven or less. But – you know, I understand exactly what you're saying because you wouldn't want a you wouldn't want an eight and four team out of Conference USA or nine and three, ten and two team out of Conference USA to be in the uh, national championship picture at those two. You know, so I do. Yeah, agree. You, would, you wouldn't want you. Would, let's say Penn State beats Wisconsin and does not get into the uh, to the Final Four. You wouldn't want a uh, two a two loss team from uh, from, no, from Conference USA. Uh, to automatically knock off a two-loss Penn State that had beaten Ohio State and, and played in the Big Ten Championship, you wouldn't want it to be an automatic deal that that, that would happen. Um, so I, I agree. But it's got, it's got to have a pretty high level of, uh, of uh, acceptance that you would succeed. But, but uh, I, I do think you need to make allowance that if one of those teams loses to a good Power Five team, you wouldn't have to require them to be undefeated. Well, so now let's talk about the game today, the Southeastern Conference Championship game in Atlanta featuring the Alabama Crimson Tide. And, you know, maybe their last game or the last season, obviously, with Lane. I think it's going to be the last season with offensive coordinator Lane Kiffin. Anyway, regardless whether he ends up in Houston or ends up in Baton Rouge and the Florida Gators. This one, Lynn, saw Alabama last weekend. I know Auburn has a very good defense. Saw uh, freshman quarterback make a few. Jalen Hurts make a few mistakes. But I think it's going to take more than just a few mistakes that he made for Florida to have a chance in this ball game. Alabama's got to give the game away. They got to literally give the game away. They got to fumble the ball in the end zone. They got to throw an interception in the flat. Uh, they've got to have one of their uh, defenders blocked from the back on a punt return. They got, I mean, maybe all of those. Um, I, I see. You want to say no chance because Shamanad beat Ralph Sampson in basketball in Hawaii. So you don't want to say no chance. But there's virtually no chance that Florida can win this ball game. They're a 24-point underdog. Um, that's justifiable. Um, you know, the um, I mean, Florida statistically last year when their offense was terrible and they backed into the SEC championship game, uh, their offense was 112th in the country out of 128 teams. This year, they're 114th. If it's possible to be worse, they're worse. And uh, you know, you, you look at their, their body of work, uh, Florida State, uh, that, that got beat by a million by, uh, I think it was Louisville, um, they, they beat uh, Florida soundly. Uh, the, the score was, uh, was maybe closer than, it, than the game was uh, when, when, they played, uh, when they played Florida State. Uh, Florida lost to Arkansas um, by double digits. Uh, Auburn beat them 56 to three. Alabama beat them 51 to something. Florida lost to them. Um, Florida plays in the East, and they so they get to play uh, Missouri and South Carolina. Um, you know, Alabama plays in the in the West, and they get to play LSU and Auburn. Uh, of course, Florida played LSU. And that's not a fair comparison. Texas A&M, I'm Ole Miss. Um, Florida is in this game because. Um, LSU couldn't make one yard uh, in two plays at the goal line, and they scored on a fluke 98-yard pass 
about one-third of their total offense for the entire game on one play and because they play in the Eastern Division of the SEC. Um, this is uh, four years now. Uh, you had two years where a mediocre Missouri team represented the East because they play in the East and didn't play the better teams in the West. And now you've got two years in a row when Florida, with a mediocre offense, good defense, but a mediocre offense, is once again going to back into the SEC championship for the second straight year because they play in the SEC East. And um, I think there's a reason. I, I believe I believe I'm right that um, you haven't you haven't had an SEC champion that was uh, that was from the East since 2008 because LSU won one and Auburn won two and I think Alabama's won four or five. So. I think you know every every SEC championship for the since 2008. I think has been among just three teams. Yeah, absolutely. Got an interesting uh, text in from Clayton. You met him before. He's co-host of the Nick Brown Show. He said he one of the highest-rated teams. I'm gonna get your opinion on something because this is one thing that you have talked about. He did include a little nugget in that that I think you would like. Highest-rated teams, no reserve spots, and he's on the best eight teams. But he said play the first round, the home field of the highest-rated team. Do away with the conference championship game and add a conference game. I don't see the SEC ever doing away with a conference championship game, but how neat would that be? If I mean, you, you just go, well, then how are you going to decide? You're division champions. I, I think you got to have a conference championship game. Well, it's never, I mean, just, uh, it's never going to happen. The, the, this is the, uh, you know, as, as the old saying goes, it's, it's hard to get the horse back in the barn after the door's been opened. Uh, door's been opened. Uh, it, it's a TV uh, spectacle. Uh, it makes millions of dollars for the conferences, uh, and it's not going to change. They w- they will have conference championship games. Period. It's just going to happen. I do agree. I favor a nine team uh, a nine team for, for a fourteen team league. I favor a nine team uh, schedule within the conference instead of an eight team. That's that's something that I I think Nick Saban was the only coach that that uh, voted in that direction when this was discussed a couple of years ago. So I find just me and Coach Saban being maybe, you know, lone voices in the wilderness there. But uh, but I think it should be a nine game. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think you should just pick the, quote, uh, eight, eight best teams because that can be skewed. Uh, right now you've got four out of the top seven teams in the poll or from the Big Ten. You know, do you really want to have four Big Ten teams in the in championship? And, and you've had years – when it would uh, when it would have been uh, three or four SEC teams. In fact, I remember a year in the 1970s when, in the final ranking, uh, Nebraska was number one, Colorado, uh, Oklahoma was number two, and Colorado was number three. You had the one, two, three in the in the polls were all Big 12 teams. Um, so, um, at that, that time, I don't think it was it was Big 12. It was Big Eight and Big Eight and Southwest Conference. But you, had, but you had all three of them for the same conference was the point I was making. And I, I don't think that you want to set it up so that the rankings would do that because it would eliminate uh, intersectional games. And, and, it, and it would punish those teams that, that beat each other up, like the SEC this year. Uh, everybody's down about the SEC. And this, it hasn't been a, a banner year for the SEC. I'm going to ask you then, okay, you're the, you're the, card, you're the banner-waving guy for the SEC. Has the Big Ten supplanted the SEC as the greatest conference in college football this season? Just this is the question: Is the Big Ten better this season than the SEC? Is that the question? Yes. Yeah, I think so, uh, but probably not by a huge margin. Here's the, here's the deal: Let's hold judgment on that until after the bowl games, because you've got you got Alabama is is that much better than everybody else? At least certainly most of the time. 
but then you drop down. You got five teams with four losses, and and some of those teams, by definition, have got to go to a, to a very good bowl. Um, let's wait and see how things come out. You've got you know you're going to have eleven SEC teams in a bowl. Hey, is Donut Man there? He I'm is. Here. I'm here. Hey, uh, y'all may play in a bowl. You know that, don't you? I, yeah, I was looking at that a while ago, and uh, Schaefer, I believe his name, predicts us to go to a bowl. Uh, Jerry Palm, I, I got Jerry Palm's uh, picks on Thursday to use, and uh, he's got y'all playing. Hey, this was an interesting little note here. I mean, what does Jerry Palm know? I mean, certainly probably more than we do. But we got a little ball game coming up in a couple of hours that your folks there are interested in uh, up, up uh, in Kentucky um, with Western Kentucky and Louisiana Tech. And Palm has your guys play in Western Kentucky. Wow. That in, would be in, in, in Dallas. So all you got to do is get in the car and drive about uh, four or five hours to the west, and you can go watch your guys play uh, play Western Kentucky. I'm going to drag Nick over there with cowbells ringing. <laughs> hey, listen, if you, hey, if, you get Nick Bell, if you get Nick Brown in the stadium ringing a cowbell, I want you to get your, get your cell phone and, uh, and take a video of that. Because uh, that's that's going to be worth the price of admission to get in the stadium just for me to see that. Absolutely. Well, Lynn, you have done it again. You have taken us to ten. Uh, you enjoy the day today. Tell everyone about the great website because I certainly want people to go uh, read it. And by the way, you're on Facebook Live right now. Your your smiling picture is on the Nick Brown Show Facebook page. Wow. Well, that's probably set Facebook back by about a decade. <laughs> they they may they may be having to go get a loan to pay their bills after this experience. Uh, www. Thanks for listening to the best of the Nick Brown Show. Tune in live every Saturday on ESPN977.com or subscribe to the show in iTunes on Stitcher or at redpeachsports.com.